0: Well, I've got a real problem, everybody, because if you don't know, I had a catwalk operation on Friday, where before I could see really well, but now I don't know what to do. I don't know how far to stand up. So I'll try my best, everyone. When Simon asked me to share my story tonight, I asked, why me? And he said, because you are an encourager. I thought, that's nice. And do you know what? I was encouraged because of Simon's kind words. But then the reality kicked in. I've got to prepare something to encourage everyone else here tonight. Mm. But don't you find it when someone encourages you that you're encouraged to do something you wouldn't normally do? Like stand here tonight giving a talk on encouragement. When I was thinking about my story for tonight, I started to reflect on Sam's invitation and ask myself whether I was an encourager. I examined my life so far, and I think that I am. From early days on the football pitch, I encouraged my teammates, even when we were being badly defeated. In the workplace, I've nurtured many trainees to fulfill their potential. With my family, I've encouraged my children through their different challenges and let them know that I believed in them as well as loved them. I've encouraged Sue to soar. She has amazing gifts, but sometimes life wears her down. And that is when encouragement is so powerful, it brings hope. No pun intended, So. In church, I give encouraging words to people, especially when they step out. It may be for a talk, or for worship, or a word of wisdom, or prophecy, or even in general conversation. When you encourage or are encouraged, it builds faith. It brings release. I suppose, therefore, I have a natural gift of encouragement. But I believe my gift went to another level when I found Jesus. For anyone who doesn't know me, I am John. Married to lovely Sue, we have three children and seven grandchildren, and I became a Christian 37 years ago, and I've been worshipping at Jubilee for about 20 years now. When me and Sue first got married, I was studying for the finals of my professional accountancy exams, and Sue was a great encouragement to me, and I qualified. I was working at a practice in Stockton at that time, but then moved to work for one of the clients as a financial controller. I enjoyed the challenge of industry, but after a few years matters started going downhill. I was asked to falsify records and to make illegal payments, which I refused to do, and walked out of the job. The problem was we had two young children and a third on the way, and I was the only earner. I said to Sue I'd need to get another job quickly, but Sue said you always wanted to setup, set-up on your own, so do it now. I hadn't even considered that option at that time. We had no money, no clients. How? That was the accountant speaking in me. But I was gobsmacked that Sue believed me that much that she would risk the financial security of our young family. It was such a massive encouragement to me, and that's what we did. Sue released something in me through that encouragement, for which I will be forever grateful. J. Keeney & Co. commenced in February 1984, With Sue's support, proved successful and led to me merging with a larger practice down the line. Thank you for your encouragement, Sue. And when I reflect on my walk with God, a major encouragement was when I received the Holy Spirit for the first time. My background was Catholic, but I stopped going to church when I was 12. I believed in God, but I didn't know Him at that time. When our third child, Becky, was born, we were living in Normandy. And as was the norm, we arranged to get Becky christened. So we arranged to meet the local clergy at the local Anglican church at Normandy. I was too busy with the new business, but I was too busy with the new business. The vicar wanted us to go along to the church for a few weeks before we'd arrange a date for the christening. So took the three kids and loved it, whilst I caught up on correspondence. In those days we didn't have email, it was dictation, and then people had to type it up just to... Put it in perspective. After some cajoling by Sue, the curate, two members of the congregation, one of whom was a former Catholic, one who was a semi-professional footballer, God knew who to send, who to connect with, I agreed to go along. Well, I loved it, and I hated it. My emotions were all over the place. The place was alive, it was noisy, the worship was contemporary, people were praying out loud, There weren't clergy. And then they did the peace and everyone hugged each other. Whoa, scary. Coming from a Catholic background, when the Mass was said in Latin and only the priest read the Bible and prayed, this was way out of my comfort zone. But I got there in the end. So and I joined the confirmation class, and on the last night of the 10-week course, everybody was getting prayed with to receive the Holy Spirit. I hung back, as again I was out of my comfort zone. I'd committed my life to Jesus at that time, but this was something else. Well, I didn't know what hit me. I went from being a tentative new Christian to floating on a cloud. Anything was possible. Sue and I live 300 yards away from the meeting, and to this day, I don't know how we got home. I think we floated. Within weeks, we were heading up the youth, which we continued to do for 10 years, and we still see some of our old youth groups, and we know we encouraged many, but they also encouraged us in so many ways. The Holy Spirit is an amazing encourager. We joined a house group, and our leaders were such encouragers as Sue so and I. They were Barry and Gene Waddrop, and Barry was a semi-professional footballer who helped persuade me to attend church. They invited us around for meals, really got to know us, and supported and encouraged us so much as new Christians. Within a few years, we were leading our own house group, and we had tried to model... So much of what we learned from Barry and Jane in our own style. If you encourage, encouraged, it is infectious. Be an encourager. House groups are so important to building God's church and a setting where we can learn together, share together and encourage one another. We had a really powerful night at Eastnet Group a few years ago when we were challenged by Helen to write something encouraging about each member of the group And then each one of us would share what we'd written about that person, one by one. I was a little uncomfortable at this at first. Um, Again, I often get out of my comfort zone, people who know me. But it was so uplifting for every one of us to hear words like compassionate, caring, loving, steadfast, servant-hearted, evangelistic, etc., etc., voiced amongst us. It uplifted us all. It was powerful because the words shared were real. They were genuine. They fitted each person, and that made it so powerful. So be an encourager, but be genuine and real in that encouragement. In my life, I've had one or two challenges with health. At 12, I had my appendix out. A few months later, I collapsed at school and was rushed to pull hospital in an ambulance with the blue lights flashing. I had a major stomach blockage, and it was a like a death situation. I came through the emergency operation and was diagnosed with Crohn's disease. They built me up with steroids for six months and then performed a resection operation to cut away the affected bowel. I've had two further resections, my gallbladder removed, pericarditis, multiple hospitalisations for temporary bowel blockages, many abscesses, a replacement hip, a detached retina. And last Friday, my latest was a cataract removed and my one good eye which was successful, so thank you everyone who knew me, who knew and were praying for me. But I'm sharing this, to let you know that people have prayed for my health throughout the years and I know that Barry and Jean, my first house group leaders, prayed daily for my health and for many years, even even when I'd left St. George's. Prayer is so powerful. Prayer changes lives, prayer changes situations, prayer encourages and grows our faith. And I can honestly say I have grown as a Christian through the trials and tribulations of my health and that I'm a better person for them. I know my weaknesses, but God knows them better. When I was worn down by constant pain, God encouraged me and provided people to encourage me, not more than so. Today I've been off all medication for over 10 years and I can see better than I have been able to for the last 10 years, apart from close up. So, I want to say thank you, Lord, for all those people who have encouraged me over the years. Help me to encourage others.
1: Amen. Amen. Excellent. Excellent. You didn't think we'd have the Bionic Man here tonight, did you? (laughs) Um, I want to encourage you to read this book, if you haven't read it already. There are a selection of books over there. This is an excellent book written by Terry Virgo. He started our movement of churches a long time ago. Our movement of churches called New Frontiers started in the midst of what John was talking about. There was a a traditional church and people started being filled with the Holy Spirit. God was doing that amongst different people, different churches at the time. And this changed the expression of Christianity Particularly in our new churches, and people were leaving the denominational church and starting their own churches. And so, this is a little bit about that journey of how people became more and more spirit filled Christians. Okay, so the Spirit filled church by Terry Virgo. Now, let's welcome um, Angela, who's going to give us our main talk for this evening, and from that, we'll see where we go. Clap, clap, clap. <laughs>
2: Okay, so I was told that the subject tonight was how being placed in a church family helps to shape and develop our spiritual gifts. Is Is it? It (laughs) Right. (laughs) Oh, yeah. (laughs) So I'd just like to start by saying what a blessing it is to be part of a church where we do operate in spiritual gifts. And only this Sunday, I had a conversation with a person was struggling with a big decision about her work so she came for prayer at the end of um, the sunday meeting and the person who prayed with her had a specific word of knowledge which came in the form of just two actual words but she knew exactly what it meant and it enabled her to make the decision that she was struggling with so she went home encouraged and blessed we regularly have tongues and interpretation and the prophetic as well as many more gifts that are not necessarily expressed in public going on behind the scenes, which is great. However, in God there is always more. So I'm really glad we're doing these Equip Weeks to encourage and challenge us to press in for more from God. So just to remind us what is a spiritual gift, it's a gift that is a unique supernatural ability that goes beyond our natural talents, that is given by God to a believer for the building up and strengthening of the church and for the common good. These gifts are given by God to everyone who is filled by the Holy Spirit. No one is left out. Using our God-given spiritual gifts makes a far greater impact than simply using our own human talents and abilities, although they too are given to us by God. The gifts can't be earned. They're given and they're different to the fruits of the Spirit. We're all meant to grow all the fruits. That's love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. But we're not all meant to have all the gifts. 1 Corinthians 12:17 says, Now to each one the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. So the gifts are not primarily for our benefit. They're for the building up and strengthening of the church and for the common good. So that means everybody else. Except for one gift, and that's the gift of tongues. 1 Corinthians 14.4 says, Anyone who speaks in a tongue edifies themselves. And I used to think edifies means feed yourself, but apparently it doesn't. It means enlighten, illuminate, teach, educate, improve, and inspire. So God's always sought to strengthen his church through the gifts of the Spirit. And wherever people have been open to receive them, they have been strengthened more and more to be the kind of church God can use. In the early church, in Acts, the gifts of the Spirit were in frequent use. They're mentioned many times. And I've read that if you were to remove these examples from the book of Acts, there would not be a single chapter that was left intact, showing just how foundational they were to the way the early church functioned and serving as an example to us. Paul in Romans and 1 Corinthians talks about the church being like a body. He says... Just as each of us has one body, with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ, we who are many form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. I think that's a really helpful picture that Paul gives us, to help us to understand what church is and how it functions. As the church, we're a group of people, a community who are individuals but all exist connected together like a human body, made up of many different parts, all made to do different jobs. So that as a whole, just like a human body, it can do many wonderful, complex and amazing things. So if you don't mind, um, a little bit of biology that I think helps to understand this analogy. A body is made up of many different systems, that enable it to do all the things that it can do we have our skeletal system which is our bones muscles joints tendons and ligaments enabling us to stand up run walk jump change position and to move around we have a nervous system our brain and nerves so that we can see hear taste feel and smell the body can think do tasks make friends make decisions rest and sleep then wake up again We have a cardiovascular system, our heart, arteries and veins that enables every cell in the body to be supplied with the blood that's carrying the things each cell needs. Then we have our respiratory system, the lungs take in oxygen that is essential for life and breathes out the carbon dioxide it doesn't need. We have a digestive system so the body can feed itself, grow and stay healthy. An immune system so we can protect ourselves and fight off germs that would cause us harm or even death and a reproductive system so we can have babies and add to the population of human beings. That always makes me think of the alpha course in church. And other systems too. But all the systems are made up of tissues, made up of individual cells, and it's perfectly coordinated so that they work together, allowing the body to live, to function, to grow, and to stay healthy. Understanding this makes us realise several things about our place in the body that is the church. Firstly, we need each other. We can't exist in isolation. We are dependent on each other. We're designed to work together. Secondly, something that affects one part actually affects the whole of the body, not just that one part. If one part of the system isn't working properly, that affects the whole body. 1 Corinthians 12, 26 says, If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honoured, every part rejoices with it. Thirdly, no part of the body is more or less important than all the others. We are all equal, all of the same significance, and all vital. Even though some body parts are more visible than others, and some are hidden away, all the parts are vital to the effective and healthy functioning of the body as a whole. And fourthly, we're all different, not the same, because we have different roles to play. Romans 12:18 says, but in fact, God has arranged the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. And at the end of that verse in Romans 12, Paul says we belong to each other. We don't just belong to ourselves or our close friends or our families. We all belong to God, but we also belong to every other member of the church. So what does it mean to belong to something? It means we are like each other's property. We're connected, we fit with, we're each a part of the whole. Our time, our homes, our money, all belongs to each other. I think that's sometimes a challenge for us, isn't it? There are people we can belong to really easily, but there are others that it's not so easy. There are people we want to share our lives with, but others maybe not. I think only the Holy Spirit can make this really possible. For such a diverse group of people who are all so different to belong to each other and to be that one body. So let's have a look at how being part of the community that is the church helps to shape and develop our spiritual gifts. Firstly, Paul says, don't be ignorant about spiritual gifts. 1 Corinthians 12 verse 1 says, now about spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be ignorant Spiritual gifts are mentioned in the New Testament in three places. In Romans 12, where there's five, 1 Corinthians 12 and 14, where there's 13, and Ephesians 6, where there's five, and there is some overlap. The list in Romans includes service, teaching, exhortation, giving, and leadership. 1 Corinthians mentions words of wisdom, word of knowledge, gift of faith healing, miracles, prophecy, discerning spirits, tongues and interpretation, apostleship, helping and administration and the Ephesians list adds evangelists and pastors. So really each gift could be a study in itself to fully understand them. So if you feel like you could do with learning more in this area maybe do some bible study and get some of the books that Simon and Raj have been recommending but don't be ignorant get informed. Secondly discovering our gifting. We need to find out what our gifts are. I think we often have a good sense of this ourselves, and God does show us what they are. We find ourselves drawn to areas of service that naturally appeal to us, and we feel comfortable doing because we have the necessary gifts. But sometimes others can see gifting in us that maybe we have not noticed. So being in church, under the care and authority of our elders and leaders who pastor us and care for us, gifting can be seen by them or others that we haven't seen ourselves. It can be the case that others see a gift in us, or the potential to grow and develop in a gift that we haven't seen. Thirdly, following on from what John said, encouraging each other in our gifting. We may have been aware of a gift, but not really had the confidence to use the gift, to step out into something new and to leave our comfort zone, to contribute to the life of the church in a new way. So let's be open to others encouraging us in new directions and also be encourages ourselves. Often a word of encouragement can be so effective in building a person's confidence so that they begin or continue to use a particular gift and get better at it. It says in 1 Thessalonians 5.11, Therefore encourage one another and build one another up just as you are doing. For example, if one of the hospitality team makes you a coffee on a Sunday morning and gives it to you with a smile, say thank you and encourage them in their gift of service. Or if one of the children's workers or if one of your children comes out of the children's work and is excited about what they learned, go and let the children's worker know they did a great job using their teaching gift. Or if a person comes and uses their gift of tongues or interpreting a tongue in a meeting, let's encourage them in that. It takes courage to come and stand up in front of the church to bring a contribution. Fourthly, we need to be faithful in what we've been given. Raj reminded us a few weeks ago about the parable of the slaves in the of, bag of gold. Um, and Jesus said at the end to the slave who um, increased his amount of gold, "'You were faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Enter into the joy of your master.'" It's possible not to use the gifts we've been given and let them lie dormant. This might happen for a number of reasons. It might be that someone's not confident or brave enough to step out and use that gift. It might be fear of failure or fear of what others may think. It might be because maybe they've tried it before and it didn't go so well or even just a lack of interest in using their gifts. It could be that at one time they were keen and used their gift at any opportunity, but they've just gone off the boil. So let's use our gifts and not keep them hidden. Which leads on to the importance of stirring up spiritual gifts. Paul said to Timothy, For this reason I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God gave us a spirit not of fear, but of power and of love and self-control. Other translations say kindle afresh or stir up the gift. Spiritual gifts are to be exercised, to be used, and not to lay dormant. That's clear from what Paul said to Timothy. Paul told him he mustn't neglect the gifting that God had given him. If we don't use our gifts well, the church will not be as effective as it otherwise could be. Fifthly, starting and growing in gifting. Community groups are perhaps a good place to start. It's a bit less intimidating to bring a tongue or a prophecy, for example, in a smaller group of people than in a larger meeting. It's a great setting to begin to use any of the gifts. And let's be patient with each other, like a baby learning to walk who falls over until they fully gain the skill. When we first start to use a gift, there will be a period of time during which we're learning how and when to use it. Over time and with practice, we all get better at using our gifts. Gifts can be honed. Better to step out and get something a bit wrong than not to step out at all. We can learn by our mistakes. It's also important to encourage our children and our young people to step into their giftings too. With teaching and encouragement, it's never too early to start. Sixthly, using spiritual gifts in our meetings. 1 Corinthians 14.26 says, What then shall we say, brothers? When you come together... Everyone has a hymn or a word of instruction, a revelation, a tongue, or an interpretation. All of these must be done for the strengthening of the church. Paul says we all have a contribution to bring whenever we meet together. It could be Sunday mornings, in community group, in prayer meeting, or any other time that we get together. No one's left out. According to that verse, God will have given us all something to share for the benefit of somebody, or maybe everybody, So let's come to our meetings ready to bring something. No matter how small or insignificant it might seem to be for for us, to the person or people it's meant for, it will bring real encouragement and blessing. Seventhly, understanding and celebrating our differences. We're never to be jealous of others or covet their gifts. You and I are gifted in a way that God sees is just right. No one else will be gifted in exactly the same way. We're like snowflakes, all wonderfully and uniquely different. It's really important not to try to be somebody that we're not or to copy another person because each of us needs to be who God made us to be and do what God made us to do. Competition in the kingdom of God is never an option. And looking at that the other way around, it's important not to look at other people and wonder why they're just not like us, even possibly becoming a bit judgmental. One person might be passionate and gifted in service. They might wonder why more people aren't getting involved in the areas they're involved with. Or a person who has an evangelistic gift might wonder why another person doesn't share their faith with such ease and enthusiasm. And it's because each of us has a unique set of giftings, all different. Um, When I was preparing my my talk on Sunday, I finished, and I put on I'm a Celebrity, Get Me Out of Here. And Boy George said this thing that I thought, wow, that really fits in. He said, knowing your place in the orchestra is the key to success. Lastly, spiritual gifts are always to be used in the context of love. 1 Corinthians 13, all about love, is sandwiched in between chapters 12 and 14 about the gifts for a reason. After finishing chapter 12, Paul says, but I will show you a still more excellent way, which is the way of love. He tells us that exercising spiritual gifts without love robs them of their power and empties them of their impact. Speaking in tongues of men and of angels without love is like a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal, both unpleasant sounds. He says that even if he had prophetic powers, understood all mysteries and had all knowledge and enough faith to move mountains. Without love, he was nothing. And if he gave away everything he had and delivered up his body to be burned without love, again, he's nothing. So these are powerful words that show the huge importance that love has to play when we consider spiritual gifts. So I hope that was helpful, encouraging, and a bit challenging. Thank you for listening.